1: Hello, everyone, and welcome into Kay Galazzo. On this episode, we're talking about the men's Olympic semifinal matches. We're doing a recap of Brazil defeating Mexico in penalty kicks, and then Japan versus Spain. Spain wins that game out. I'm Lisa Roman. Today, I'm joined by the great Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, how's it going?
2: You know, I'm keeping it real, Lisa. I wore a T-shirt. That says it. And then also in my sign behind me, I say, I'm just keeping it real. So I'm here to talk about the beautiful game and I'm here to keep it real with all of our listeners.
1: Well, as long (laughs) as we're keeping it real, I like the unicorn too. That's very festive. (laughs) It's, It's not usually what I see you in. It's different from a kit, but Hey, I like it. You can rock a blue sparkly unicorn.
2: You know, we're talking about the Olympics, where dreams happen. And I feel like a unicorn in a tie-dye shirt is somewhat dreamlike in some, <laughs> some capacity.
1: You know what? I love it. I love it. <laughs> dreams being made on the big Olympic stage. Two really good matches happening in these semifinal games, looking to get medals. Let's start with the first one we had. Early hours of the morning. Mexico and Brazil. It was scoreless after full-time. They headed into PKs. Brazil's shootout. Uh, much better than Mexico's. Brazil won four to one at the end of that. Brazil knocking down all four of their goals in a row. Mexico, they make one of theirs. The other one is saved. The other one off the post. Brazil will advance to the Gold Cup match on Saturday, August 7th. Mexico will compete for the bronze medal. But Jimmy, let's dive into this game and really what happened. The first half, there was some creativity from both sides, Mexico and Brazil. But overall, in, in the regulation play, what did you make of Mexico versus Brazil?
2: I was actually pretty impressed with Brazil. They were, and we saw it a little bit in Copa America as well with their full team, really disciplined, I thought, defensively. And and they they were coming up against the Mexico team that had put five goals, you know, uh, six goals in the, in the previous rounds. I mean, just scoring for fun, making it look super easy. And I thought Brazil really kind of, Figured out a way to tighten all those areas, not allowing Mexico to do what they were going to do. And if I was a Mexican fan going into this one, I would have been a little bit worried that maybe we, we we spent all of our goals uh, in, against South Korea in the previous round. So I was impressed with, I'll start there, defensively. I will say that overall, Brazil getting to the Olympic final, three straight Olympics, really speaks to the type of talent and depth they continue to to develop in Brazil and the fact that this was a rematch of the 2012 final in London and, and they got a little bit of their revenge even though it's nine years later. Obviously, they won it in 2016 and now given another crack at it. What I love too, I'm just going to go. There's two personal stories I really love from Brazil if you guys haven't heard it already. Richarlison mm-hmm. was asked by Everton to not come into the Olympics. They didn't want him to go because he played in the Copa America. They didn't want to play him in back-to-back events. He pleaded with Everton to allow him to play in this one and i what i love about these olympics from at least from the beautiful game perspective is that it doesn't feel like it's it's about about money it's not about being like a professional athlete it's just there's some type of spirit that the olympics has that you can't really find in other events and i include the world cup in that and he just wanted to play. He wanted to represent his country. That's what mattered the most. You can see that spirit, especially when he plays. And he almost scored there with about 10 minutes left. His header hit off the post. And then there's Dani Alves, who's won pretty much every single trophy imaginable. He's won more trophies than any other player in the history of the sport. 43 trophies. And now he's one step away from winning his first gold medal. If and when he wins the gold medal, the only trophy he won't have in his cabinet is the World Cup, which is kind of surprising given how successful Brazil is. But overall... I thought they were a little bit better the team. I think Mexico just ran out of gas, and I thought Brazil were the deserved winners.
1: Uh, Now, Jimmy, you did mention Richarlson and playing in Copa America and now the Olympics and looking a, a little bit ahead to him and the Premier League. Do you think he'll take some time off? I know you mentioned that great little tidbit about Everton not wanting him to do that, and now that he has, and he has to play the most amount of games of any Olympic team in this going into the gold match, Looking forward for, for him, do you think there will be time off before the Premier League starts? That's
2: a great question, Lisa. What, I, what I'm what i thinking is that for Charleston and Brazil win, he's going to go back to Everton and be very grateful for them to have given him that opportunity to have achieved that. Now, he took a risk, obviously, pleading with them, and I'm sure he promised everything under the sun to Rafa Benitez, the new Everton manager, please let me go. <laughs> I'll play right away. I don't need a break or whatever it is to make sure that he could do it. So if he comes back with a gold medal, then it's a win for him, and he's going to feel grateful, and I don't know if he's going to need any rest. I think that'll be a little bit of an energy underneath his wings to continue to go. Now, obviously, there's a nice amount of games that, that they're going to have to look at it and maybe figure out which part of the schedule they can give him a little bit of a break. But yes, he probably needs it from a, from a physical side of things, but emotionally, if he comes back with a gold medal, I think he'll be ready to go. If he took that risk and they lose and they get silver – He might not be feeling the same way. It might feel like he can't make eye contact with Rafa Benitez because he didn't actually follow through on what he uh, went out to do. But um, yeah, that's a great question. I think Mm -hmm. that'll be interesting to see how they manage him and his minutes moving forward.
1: Uh, Jimmy you just said if they lose they're still winning silver but when you take a look at Brazil and their history like you mentioned they've won this will be their fourth medal in a row their third whether it's gold or silver in the final match so the the expectations for Brazil and that squad are very very high Um, taking a look at El Tri uh, they had Nations League Gold Cup and now the Olympics so there is a lot of international play leading up up to this and so much talent in all of these tournaments so When you look at the roster for Mexico in this Olympics, what has been the biggest surprise for you based on everything that they've had to do to get to this point?
2: Oh boy, it's tough. I mean, you bring up all those events and they lost to the U.S. twice in the Nations League in the Gold Cup final when we could argue they were probably the favorites going into that. It's a real thin line between success and failure, but they lost both of those. They have to accept those L's whether they like it or not. And then for them to lose to Brazil in this fashion where I didn't really feel like we saw the best version of them throughout this tournament. I think we saw, I mean, the last round in particular scoring six goals, everything going right for them, I thought was really peak Mexico. Uh, Henry Martin, uh, Romo, really, really special players up top, good young players. They, the, the talent's there. It's just a matter of that little bit of luck, you know, and I think sometimes, and we've seen this in the World Cups too, they do very well getting out of the groups, but then they lose in the round of 16. They've lost in five consecutive World Cups in the round of 16. There's something I think psychologically maybe going on at this point where they just can't get over that hump, and now we're seeing it kind of the U.S. Mexico thing, and maybe it's shifting back to the U.S. just slightly. But but overall, in these big events, they seem to just have this this hurdle, and I and I wonder what it is because there's so much pressure on these guys to to really crack on and and to be. And I saw a quote I'm going to bring up from. Um, Cordova, who who was fantastic and, and scored some fantastic goals against South Korea as well, along with everybody else. But he said that he they wanted to prove against Brazil that they could be one of not only the best teams in the region, but the one of the best teams, national teams in the world. And, and that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. And I appreciate that, that, that drive and that ambition. But uh, I just feel like it adds maybe a layer of complexity that, that you don't always want going into a big match.
1: So for El Tri, uh, they have a, a lot of good, talented players. Going back to this matchup against Brazil for Mexico, one of the players, Guillermo Ochoa, goalkeeper for the Mexican side, he's has a longstanding history. He's a legend in the goal for Mexico. Going up against this Brazil team and then heading into penalty kicks, what did you make of his form throughout this game and then looking ahead to the bronze medal match that will come later in this week?
2: Yeah, Memo Ochoa, probably one of the greatest uh, goalkeepers in Mexican history, if not uh, the greatest. He made the saves that he had to make. You know, he's he's that type of player. He's got that clutch gene, is, as I like to say. But uh, when it came to penalties, you, they needed him to make a save because they missed their first one, they missed their second one, and now there's so much pressure on him to have to make almost every save. He had to maybe save the last three for them to... have a chance and it was just too big of an ask and you know they had to win it i think in in regulation where where you don't always let it go to that that said before penalties start and you have santos in goal for brazil and memo Ochoa in mexico i'd probably be leaning towards memo Ochoa being the guy that was going to make some saves but it just didn't work out and you know, he took the risk to not join the Gold Cup roster and and wanted to be part of the Olympics, very similar to Richarlson and wanted to be a part of that experience, which is very special and something you'll never forget. It just was a little bit too much. But in terms of being the best goalkeeper in the region, I would say him and Keeler Navas are, are two of the best and and uh, just as a CONCACAF fan, I'm very proud to, to be able to say, hey, look, at we have two of the best goalkeepers in the world, uh, in, in our area of the world, so suck it, haters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the, the final matches, the gold and silver and the bronze match, but both these teams moving on, they have another game to play, so from the Brazil side, what are you looking to see in that gold match um, that they didn't really bring against Mexico, especially in the attack because it was scoreless after regulation.
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, making sure they just take advantage of where the space is. If 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 now they're gonna be playing Spain, and I know we're gonna get into that game, but if if Spain is gonna give you a certain area to to dominate, and they they will at some point, right? Every team has to has to give up some space somewhere. Not all, not every team takes advantage of that. Not every team, like essentially if the if the space is wide, you got to take the space. Take what they're giving you. And sometimes I feel like we're with, with Brazil and Spain, which is a very romantic relation, uh, relationship, romantic matchup in the, <laughs> maybe a relationship, I don't want to get into that. We're, we're not in here getting into the, the gossip and stuff, but, but a romantic matchup in, in, uh, in the final. They both have a tendency of not taking what other teams are giving them because they're, they've got too much pride. They want to play through the middle. They want to play Joko Benito. They want to, they want to make sure that they, they win in their style. So it'll be interesting to see which of those two teams actually does that. But with Brazil in particular, and they can be dynamic. They can hurt you in so many different ways. Uh, It's just maybe being a little bit more urgent, I'd say, towards goal. It seemed like they were just allowing maybe Mexico to establish some of the rhythm or or not really in a hurry to to go get that goal and to make a difference. So it'll be interesting to see what they do against Spain, who are notorious for keeping the ball.
1: On the other side of it, Mexico, they go to play a bronze medal. Still, they're looking to medal in this Olympic game. Olympic tournament so for them when, when you reflect on this matchup against Brazil where was the offense lacking what could they have done more where could they have explored it exploited more against Brazil that they need to really key in on moving forward
2: yeah it's almost the same in some capacity I would say with regard to Mexico they just looked a little tired they they maybe just had run out of gas I think what ends up happening is oh cool we got we got out of our group you know they lost to Japan in the group stage so this will mm-hmm. be a rematch of, of that game Japan won 2 one And it's going to take in some ways a Herculean effort to get past Japan who are going to have a lot of pride in this one that we can't be hosting this tournament and then finish fourth like we got to the semi lost there and then now we're going to get the bronze medal we have to get a medal so they're going to have a lot working against them and if they're tired. It's going to be a difficult match in a lot of different ways. So they're going to have to make the most of their opportunities, of course. But again, a little bit of that urgency, obviously a little bit of luck has come into it. But I liked when Mexico played a little bit direct uh, when they got the ball and just whipped it in. And and they weren't taking those extra touches or two. And so I think what ends up happening when you play against a team as stacked as Brazil in so many different positions, all of a sudden you get on the field and you're like, whoa, these... These guys are pretty good, you know, and you know that, that for you to really have success against them, there's going to have to be five or six or seven guys that are all on it at the same moment to be able to unlock a team like that. Now, they've already had the previous experience playing against Japan, so maybe there's something they saw, some vulnerabilities that they can draw upon, and I think that could play into their advantage, but I think the emotional... Uh, roller coaster or somewhat roller coaster or tidal wave that's coming. I think with Japan who are going to be so desperate to win a medal could be a lot to overcome. So we'll see. I'm wishing the best of course, for Mexico to, to do something and to feel proud about the performance, but I think it's going to be a, a stiff test for them against Japan.
1: Oh, well, we will talk about the other matchup, the semifinal matchup between Japan and Spain coming up next. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
3: From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly, and our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's tailorbrand scom com slash cbssports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
1: Be right back. Welcome back to Kay I'm Lisa Roman alongside Jimmy Conrad. We're talking about the men's Olympic semifinal matches that have happened. We have winners. We know who's going to the gold and silver we just talked about mexico and brazil brazil winning this one 4 to 1 penalty kicks they will take on spain in the gold and silver medal match whereas japan they lost to spain in regulation uh extra time but japan and spain jimmy japan they conceded one goal All tournament in the four games leading up to this, they concede another one to Spain. It's no joke that the Japanese defense is difficult to break down. They're really tight. VAR overturning a penalty kick opportunity for Japan during the regulation of this game. But in the end, Spain scores in the 115th minute. It's Marco Asensio. He subs in off the bench, 25 years old. He gets the game-winning goal for Spain. In this matchup, Japan and Spain, what were you what were you keyed on, in on? What were you watching mostly?
2: This was a great one. I mean, kind of build off of what I was saying before. There's so much at stake for Japan. Obviously, wanting to get to that gold medal game for the tournament that they're hosting. And Spain, honestly, were very, very fortunate to be in this position. I don't know if you saw it, everyone, but uh, they gave up a goal to Ivory Coast in the quarterfinals in the 89th minutes. And Rafa Mir came on and scored like three minutes later. Heartbreakingly, uh, all Ivory Coast had to do was, was clear a ball inside their box. They couldn't do it. A little bit of miscommunication. Rafa Mir scores to make it 2-2. And then they go on and score three goals in extra time, make it 5-2. They really shouldn't even have been here. And I feel like maybe they felt like they were playing with house money a little bit. That said, Spain are one of those few teams in the world, whether it's at the youth level or the full team, where they can flip a switch and go from 0 to 100 quite quickly. And they can slow down a game, uh, uh, conversely. And I thought that even though Japan didn't look uncomfortable in this one, Japan didn't have their first shot on goal against Unai Simon until the 77th minute when uh, Takikubo ended up hitting it across. Uh And it wasn't a difficult save. It just was right at him. But at least they were peppering the goal a little bit. And I didn't think the game really came alive until about the 75th minute. And both teams were kind of taking some shots. Can we win this in regulation? It does go to extra time. I do... Like that, you brought up Marco Asensio outside of him, obviously scoring the game winner, but he had been playing. And then Rafa Mir scores that hat trick in the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes or yeah, 30 minutes ultimately, with the extra mm-hmm. time against Ivory Coast. And so Rafa Mir starts and Asensio doesn't. And Asensio comes out with eight minutes left. And that must have been tough for someone who's won 10 trophies with Real Madrid and has had tremendous success and has been a part of the Spanish national team to. Have to take a back seat at that point. It must have been very humbling. So I'm really impressed with him to come on, try to make a difference, and ultimately score a great goal when he curls it back post to, to make sure it doesn't go to penalties because at that point it's a coin flip.
1: You mentioned Marco Asensio having started and played significant minutes leading up to this match. Do you think things would have been different if he did get the nod to start against Japan?
2: he's a different player than Rafa Mir. This is a good question. Mm-hmm. Rafa Mir feels, and this is interesting, Rafa Mir, six foot three, 190 pounds, just an absolute tank up top. And his favorite player growing up, even though he's Spanish, is Mario Gomez. And, and, uh, you know, who played for Germany and and for Bayern Munich. And he does play like Mario Gomez. There is a, there's a, there's a resemblance there in terms of how they play. And, and w- so that was really fascinating to learn that about Rafa Mir. Asensio's not like that. He He's, He's a little bit going to run off the shoulder. He's looking to get in behind. He, he can pick it up in front of you as well and try to turn and run at you. And, and where I feel like Rafamir is a little bit more of a, a traditional number nine holdup player, he can still peel off your back, back shoulder and try to get headers back post, whereas Asensio maybe not so much. But but different types of players. And I thought when Asensio came on, he, he and Rafamir did stay on, by the way. So they were on together. But, but Asensio played out wide, and he started to look to get in behind Japan and turn them around a little bit. And if that happens consistently, that's going to create space in the middle. And ultimately, he picked up the ball in a good spot. For as heroic as uh, the defending was from the Jap- uh, Japanese, they just didn't do enough in that one particular moment. Maybe they didn't think it was as dangerous, but he curled a great shot in. And and uh, it was a great game. I mean, it was, for me, well, I would I would say, the I mean, if everybody was sitting through it, Maybe the first 75 minutes could have been a little better. But after the 75th minute, I thought the game opened up and it, it did change. Uh, but I thought overall, Spain did enough, Lisa, to... They were on the front foot a little bit more. They were trying to make the game a little bit more. And I always feel like I'm a little bit more of a fan of the team that's trying to take the initiative. Mm-hmm. And, and if they get the result, then I think it's a little bit more deserved. Not to say that Japan didn't try to have uh, get a couple chances in that but it felt more hopeful whereas Spain was actually driving the game trying to make things happen. So I think Spain versus Brazil is a tremendous final and I'm here for it. I can't wait to watch.
1: Jimmy, we always tend to get I do it as well. A little bit of tunnel vision when you're watching a game mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. pretty stagnant for 60, 75 minutes and the last 20, 30 minutes are really exciting. You're like, yeah, that was a great game. And then you're like, wait, actually it was a little boring until the end when things did finally start to open up. And I, and that's exactly what you just touched on that. The Japanese side actually started attacking a little bit more towards the end of regulation. And even in the start of extra time, there was a bit of a, a, a scuffle and a scrum right in front of the goal that I think the Japanese size could have put away a couple of the players fell, but Ultimately, when things opened up, um, what happened? Did the Japanese side continue to move forward, which opened up their back line for Spain to get in that a little bit? Or was Spain just continuously attacking that finally they broke down the Japanese defense?
2: Yeah, good question. I would say with regard to Japan, it just felt like there was a little bit more urgency to to do something, to try to make something happen. I don't know if that was... Something that was said from the coach to kind of, hey, let's not take any risks because Spain is so good at creating numerical advantages and, and that can wear you down. And so I felt like Japan never really put themselves out there, never really maybe committed that one extra number, maybe coming from out wide or or maybe from midfield to help support the attack in a way that could leave them vulnerable on the counter. And then at some point, again, I don't know if it was the players that took the initiative or if they're getting some, some insight from the coaches on the sideline. But they started to, all right, let's run at these players a little bit. Let's take some more chances. Let's commit another number or two and see what happens, see if we can win this in 90 minutes. It didn't work out, even though they did have a couple opportunities. But I thought Spain were not necessarily vulnerable, but but they were under pressure a little bit more than they had been up until that point. And then with Spain, I mean, they just, again, I, I talk about them flipping the switch. They are so good at adjusting on the fly. They have players that are so experienced and, and have seen so many different, uh, no matter how young they are, they, they seem to just have this this calmness about them, this composure that, OK, the game's adjusting. We're going to adjust as well. And, and I just thought that they absorbed the pressure from Japan. And 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 then at that point, they started to take a little bit more of the initiative and maybe they sensed. And I think the Spanish are very good at this, recognizing when the other team gets a little bit tired. And, and what's interesting about Spain, and this isn't 100 percent of the time, but I think it's the majority of the time when they can sense another team's tired, they don't necessarily go through the, for the throat right away. They're not just like, oh, now it's time to go to goal. They're like, we're going to pass it 100 more times and make you even more tired, and then we're going to walk it into goal, you know? So there's something that I really appreciate about that philosophy.
1: You're tired and we're just going to take you to exhaustion. So it's really easy for us exactly. to score. I love that. I love that. Not to say that that goal uh, by Marco Asensio was easy by any means. Mm. It was really, really well shot. But you mentioned the exhaustion and, and being tired. Uh, the fight for gold and silver now between Brazil and Spain. That takes place Saturday, August 7th. Brazil, this, uh, they won gold in 2020. Silver in 2012. Bronze in, 20, in 2008. But they also had a really tough go of it from Copa America losing in the final to that. And now going up against a a team like Spain, who there's plenty of players from Spain, I think six that played in the euros and now are competing in this Olympic game. So across exhaustion, just across The the table here and not to mention they're playing in Tokyo, which is extremely hot and humid conditions back to back games with very little rest in between with this heat, the quick turnaround, the extra time being played between all these these squads. How does that change maybe the mindset, especially for a, a team like Spain going into the gold match?
2: Yeah, so you lay all that out. You give us all the context there. We just saw two games in the semifinals go 0-0 after 90 minutes. One went to penalties. Another one was one in the 100. I feel like another 0-0 is on the cards. It's essentially what, you know, it's hot. It's humid. Nobody really wants to stretch themselves too thin. Who's going to take the risk? Who's going to take the initiative? Yeah, I think this could be a little bit... uh, I want to see obviously a three-two, you know, thrilling final. Of but course.
1: Who but doesn't? <laughs>
2: I, I don't I don't know if it's lining up that way. I, I think that we could be a little conservative to start. That said, because both teams have some players that they're leaning on that have played in, in both tournaments, I don't know if either one of them has the advantage, other than Brazil has been here before. Now, obviously mm-hmm. the turnover is different so we could argue a lot of these players haven't been here before Danny Alves in in particular when I look through his 43 trophies that he's won I'm like oh I assume he won the gold medal back in 2016 nope he didn't he didn't do that oh well he clearly won you know the 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 silver in 2012 no he wasn't on that team either well he's old enough to play in 2008 to get the bronze he didn't win that either so so this is new territory for a 38 year old who has had tremendous success wherever he's gone He's just a guy that knows how to win. And if Brazil won and he was on the team, it wouldn't be a big surprise to me. I think he was a great addition to the squad for a number of different reasons. I think he's a great leader. Spain, I feel like, are still kind of riding a little bit of luck. I talked about the Ivory Coast game. They did just enough to get past Japan here. I think they're going to run up against a different type of machine in Brazil and and who have some players that are playing well. Cunha uh, up top in particular. Uh, So outside of Richarlison and, and all the other players, but um, I, I like Brazil here. I think it's going to be close, but I think that Brazil are going to do it just enough. They beat Egypt 1-0. They just went through this game 0-0. They, like, they've suffered, and they're still finding ways to get results, and I like the mentality of that team. We've seen it in multiple competitions with on uh, the men's and women's side. The teams that know how to suffer the best are usually the ones that end up on top, so I like Brazil. to get. It's going to be close. 1-0. I'd like to see at least a 2-1, but... I think it's going to be uh, for all you betters out there under two and a half goals for sure. After 90 minutes <laughs> it,
1: Two one, two one one is asking a lot. A lot. It, it is. It, it is. It's, it's asking is. a lot. It's asking a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you though. This, I, I don't think we could ask for a better matchup. It would be cool to see Japan, the host country in the final, but they're still, they still have a chance to medal against uh, Mexico, but taking a look at Brazil and Spain, a really good matchup for the gold medal match, uh, exhaustion, um, players playing in Copa America and the Euros and then playing in this Olympic tournament. There's so many factors going into this. And then based on the Olympic stretch that both of these teams has have had over the last several weeks, um, this one should be good. I, I'm predicting a draw as well. Um, wow,
2: you think it's going I, extra time?
1: I, I do. I really do. I, I hope that Brazil scores in regulation. I think Brazil will come out on top. Um, I do. Okay. I think it'll go into extra time at least. Yeah. Um, S-
2: I, I will speak to, to Brazil, uh, Spain a little bit because yeah. I think Brazil are the favorites and, and Paulinho has been good for them too. And, and, but when I look at, they, I just feel like Spain has some uh, lineup choices to make. Do you start with Marco Asensio? You know, you left Rafa Miran, but did he do enough to continue to go with him again in the gold medal game? Uh, Asensio ultimately came on for Danny Olmo, you know, and came out on, 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 on. One of the wings. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the the Mikel's. They both play for Real Sociedad. Oriarteball and Moreno. I think they're both going to start. Pedri has played his 72nd game this season, by the way. the Pedri, the 18 year old from Barcelona, is just. How many games can this guy play? He came off in the 84th minute, but uh, I assume you're going to continue to roll him out because why stop at this point? I
1: mean, he looks great, you might as well keep him going. I, I, he
2: is, he's a tremendous player, but I feel like his legs are going to fall off by age 25, you know. So then he actually made two subs uh, to his back line, both outside backs that came in, Cucarella and Oscar Gil, both started this one when they didn't start the game before. So I'm kind of curious to see what De La Fuente, the, the manager for, for Spain, does in this one because he's got some options and obviously that's going to be the choices he makes up top or or in, in and around his team whether he goes with the same outside backs or not it's going to be interesting and, and that could maybe you know prove to be the difference and we saw we saw it with Greg Burhalter with the in the gold cup that uh, sometimes if you take a risk in a final with your starting lineup it does pay off so it'll be interesting to see what both of these managers do
1: and managers not only have to look at the game ahead of them and the starting lineup and, and scoring in the first 45 minutes, but also, well, now this is the last game of the tournament, but if they go into extra time and if they go into those penalty kicks, they need to have players on that can compete for all that time, 90 plus minutes mm-hmm. going into mm-hmm. the end of this game. So it becomes such a mind game and and almost such a, a puzzle for these managers to figure out who's going to start, who's going to come in off the bench. And they do need to keep in mind that if this goes into 250 15 minute overtimes and then penalty kicks who they want to be lining up uh, to to win this one for them.
2: That's a great point. And what I would add to that is that now that teams have five subs in regulation and then they get an extra one in extra time, nobody complains about the extra subs anymore. Right. Nobody complains about it anymore. Like, oh, it's going to ruin the game and more than three subs and blah, blah, blah. Actually, it's benefits. Both teams, especially at the international level where you're so stacked, right? Usually from 1 to 23 at the international level, everybody's relatively a world-class player. So the drop-off isn't maybe as severe as it would be at the club level. But but I'm glad that five subs exist. I'm glad you get another one in extra time, especially... During these summers, and and, and where it's super hot, and also at the back end of a really, really long club season. So, uh, and also, I think it actually makes it more intriguing. Like, who is he going to bring in? Who is he going to start? And maybe the risk isn't as big because you know that you have so many subs that can come in and change the game
1: that's right so gold match between brazil and spain saturday august 7th and jimmy we have to talk about the bronze the fight for bronze between mexico and japan this is a rematch of the group stage we mentioned it earlier japan won that one two to one japan the host country as well going up against a mexico squad what's your take on this game
2: yeah, my take is that uh, Mexico. I I appreciate you. I think you're super talented, but I just don't see Japan losing this game. And yes, you have the 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 understanding of already playing them earlier in this one, but I just think that Mexico is going to lay it all on the line, or excuse me, Japan in a way that that it's hard to really appreciate. You you have this. They have, they're going to find this extra gear to try to get a result, extra gear to win every tackle. They have to win a medal. They want to win a medal. And that's going to be tough. I will say for Mexico to have a chance, if they can score, because right now I think Japan feels kind of sorry for themselves. And I know they have a few days to work through that, but but all the talk's going to be about, oh, it's Brazil and Spain in the final, and Japan's going to be, ah, oh, I wish we were there. That They're normal. They're human beings. That's going to be a natural reaction to the whole thing. If Mexico can score first, and make Japan continue to feel that way and suffer a little bit during the game, then I give Mexico a chance. But if Japan can hold them off, and as you mentioned, only giving up one goal, and that was to Mexico uh, in, in in regulation time through the 90 minutes of of all the games prior to giving up a goal to Asensio, that's going to be, it's going to be a tall order. And I'm curious to see how Mexico responds. We've seen plenty of countries around the world that just kind of, That's it's the bronze, who really cares kind of thing, you know? I mean, you care, but it's not the golds. And so sometimes there's an emotional drop-off when you do lose in that semi. We'll see how that impacts Mexico in this one. And they have a few days to kind of pick themselves up. But I just feel like Japan's going to have the slight edge emotionally. And the only way to tag that emotion in a negative way is if Mexico can score first. But I just don't see it against this Japan defense.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think Japan does have more riding on it emotionally and mentally in this game. But I, I think Mexico will put up a really good, big fight against the Japanese side. And Jimmy, I want to tap into your your former playing days as a <laughs> player and, and at the international level. These two teams have already met. Um, they met just last week or a week and a half ago about. So how much advantage does that give you as a team when you already can understand how your opponents play? But also how much does that uh, almost become a mind game of, oh, we d- they did this last time, but are they going to do it again? How are they going to attack us? So take us into that. These teams have already played at this Olympic tournament. And, and now how do you approach this game as a player when you've already competed against this opponent?
2: I would say there's a familiarity with regard to how players like to move, how they like to uh, from I'm always thinking from a defensive perspective, so let me just speak through that, len, that lens. That lens first. I I'm a defender too, yeah. I
1: get it, I get but, it. But,
2: but but it'll be really interesting if I'm a center back for Mexico, ah, this player likes to pretend that he like wants to go up over the top, but he's actually doing it just to, so he can check back in, right? So you start to get these I don't know, I don't want to say nervous ticks, but you start to pick up on their uh, their ability to and their habits in terms of how they want to both individually and collectively and, and I think that understanding is, is makes you you feel a little bit more comfortable going into the game because you know what you're going up against now that said Japan have the same <laughs> mentality they 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 know what uh you know Diego Linez is gonna do assuming he starts they know what, you know, uh, Martine is going to do and, and Cordova and Roma, like they've seen these guys and obviously they've got tape of what they've done in the last uh, few games as well to kind of get maybe refreshed on maybe if something Mexico changed tactically and how that's lending them to score six goals against one team. So there are a couple things that, that they can do to, to make that happen. I would say that, um, what I do like it's, it comes down to execution who's going to step up and actually make the plays when it matters and uh, obviously that's a blanket statement that can be applied anywhere but but what can what can mexico do to to now actually take advantage of what they've learned by playing japan before and what can they do to 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 learn from the mistakes that they made and they got punished for when they gave up the two goals to japan so there's a lot to unpack here i'd say in some ways but that that familiarity uh is is very important for me it gave me a lot of confidence if i played against let's say mexico or if i played against whoever to know that I played against that player before like ah, I got, I, I figured him out a little bit. I've unlocked something here. I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult than it was the time before, but this isn't just one side of Japan obviously has that advantage as well.
1: Well, Tokyo Olympic final between Brazil and Spain, Saturday, August 7th and the fight for bronze between Mexico and Japan. August 6th, Friday, the day before. Jimmy, thanks so much. Final thoughts on this in the Olympic Games?
2: I cannot wait for this final. Brazil versus Spain, written in the stars, two of the best countries in the world at any level. And now they're facing off for Olympic gold. I'm here for it. And I'm actually here to see Japan, Mexico as well. I'm curious to see who's going to step up and really have the energy to to secure that bronze and I think Japan are probably the heavy favorites in this just because of what's at stake. But it uh, should be fantastic. Elisa, I love doing this with you. Have me on anytime. I'm here just keeping it real, everybody. Let's go.
1: I uh, love to see it, Jimmy. Thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. A reminder, follow us on Twitter at Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We are also available on YouTube. Subscribe to KGalazzo on YouTube. Special thanks to Jimmy Conrad for joining today. I'm Lisa Roman. Stay tuned to KGalazzo this week for more coverage of the Olympics, transfer news, analysis, and all you need to know in the world of soccer. Thanks for listening.